Hello, good evening and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Ricky and Milo. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Steph. Hi, Steph. Good to be on. Excellent. Good to have everyone here. Well, both of you. The season, chaps, is getting ever closer and our preparations for it, as we all know, took another step with yesterday's friendly against Rangers at Ibrox. We'll be looking back over all the talking points and we'll doubtless speculate on a few things as a result of the match that took place. Um, but before we get into the week that was and all of that, Ricky, are mm. you for or against the new away shirt? I've not had a chance to ask you. Oh, you're just looking for some support here, I Steph. Um, <laughs> it, not for me, Steph, no. I think no. in no way, shape or form does it say anything Spurs to me, to be honest. Um so um, enjoy your shirt. Oh, it's arrived already, isn't it? I've seen your picture it of has. you in it, so that's great. It has. Can, um, can I ask you both? Can I ask you both a really weird design question before we move on? My friend Johnny and I have have both looked at this shirt over and over again. He also bought one, and we both feel that the yellow the yellow flashes on the sleeves and the yellow flash here are part of a very cunning uh, technical design by Nike and Spurs to allow the players to catch a sight of each other quicker on the pitch by noting these loud elements. Now, am I talking marketing PR bollocks, or do you think there's any legs to that theory at all? Um, I think certain things like that have been said before about other kits, uh, apart from obviously the Man United one where you couldn't actually see each other at all when they had to change it at Southampton. Um, but yeah, I think they're called, is it called Neon Vault, that yellow, if you want to get technical stuff? I think that's even it on is. the first, even on the first kit. So we've got a little bit going on in the first kit and we have yeah. got, yeah, no. But what nobody can see here is because we, of course, look at each other as we're talking. <laughs> Milo's in the top right of my screen. He's looked to his left, looked to his right, he's looked around, and you can just sense this is a man biding his time to just say one word. I just don't know don't know why we're talking about a kit that was launched two weeks ago. This is <laughs> This is great. I managed to get around the back. I just thought he was gonna say bollocks. Actually. Yeah, I thought that, yeah. <laughs> But we can all um we can all anyway. wait for the third kit that does look nice and <laughs> that that should arrive I mean that should arrive soon. It seems to be arriving through the back door already, but it doesn't seem to arrive mm. through the front door yet, the third kit. Yeah. Uh, supply chain issues, it. I would suspect. Yes, yes. But uh anyway, all right. Well look, sorry for the diversion there. Very important to me, as you said, Ricky, and uh thank you for entertaining that. And thank you, Milo, for not saying that I was talking bollocks. I'm sure that'll come later. Um let's uh look at the week that was and uh <laughs> Yes, uh, what a cracker uh, we have at the start of this week in terms of Bayern Munich manager Julian Nagelsmann talking up a move for Harry Kane in a press conference. You know, old Julian uh, is probably uh, unaware or seemingly unaware that Man City couldn't afford him last summer. And so he decided that he wants Harry to replace his recently departed Robert Lewandowski. Uh, The skateboarding coach (laughs) said, quote, and I am going to read these four quotes. Very expensive, that's the problem, but a brilliant player. One of the best forwards, perhaps one of the two or three centre-forwards that really can play centre-forward. Thanks for that, Julian. Very strong, brilliant with his head. It could be possible that he could score a lot of goals in the Bundesliga, but it will be tough for Bayern Munich. We will see what will happen in the future. Um, Milo, would you read Oliver Kahn's quote? I don't want to carry on with my really, really, you know, sort of sarcastic tone here. Maybe you can add a little bit of newsworthiness to this. Maybe not. So, so Bayern CEO Oliver Kahn has also recently discussed uh, Kane. He said he's under contract with Tottenham. Sure, an absolute top striker, but that's all a dream of the future. And to make this a group effort, Ricky, 
Why don't you read Antonio what Antonio had to say after the Rangers game on Saturday? You get that you get the piece de resistance Thank here you. because Antonio was not impressed. No, well, uh, Don Conte said in reply, honestly, I didn't hear this. For sure, I'm a coach who doesn't talk about players from other teams. I don't know why this happened. The situation at Tottenham is very clear. The plan is very clear with the club. Harry is part of the project. He's a very important part of the project. And yeah, only rumours. At the same time, I repeat, I don't like to speak about players from another club. If I want to do something, I go to speak to the club, not through the media. I think maybe it's a bit disrespectful. For the other club, this is my way. This is my way to face the situation with other players. Uh, They're dreaming, aren't they? It's absolutely insane to think that we'd sell Kane at this point in the summer all that they would be able to afford him. And I think it's insane to even think that Kane would go. I just don't think he wants to go. He's fully engaged with the club he's always been at, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's got a year less on his contract, but I, I still can't see how we would sell him for less than 150 million if you, you know, even you'd even consider it. And I would have said in terms of kind of how settled Kane is at the, at the club, we're in, in an even stronger position this summer than we were last. Yeah. And I also think you, know, you can't say enough about the uh, sheer disrespect um, coming, you know, coming from Bayern Munich in this regard. I mean, it's it's obviously you know agents and will engage in all sorts of chicanery and so on and so forth. And there's always lots of backdoor whispering. But this is just absolute bluntly, bluntly rude, absolutely rude to the to the core. This isn't agents. This is the coach and the chief exec coming out and talking about it. You know, it's like- exactly, exactly. That's the point I'm making. Yes, it's not. It's blunt. What's Bayern Munich's record signing? I, I, this isn't you know this isn't the kind of deal that they could do. It's not. I know they're a wealthy club, but they're not. I mean, really, you'd be talking world record fees. Yeah, I think it's just. I think it's just an uh, uh, an abuse of, of power, maybe. Although I'm not sure how much power Bayern Munich have to even be engaging in this. I mean, uh, uh, to say that not even Real Madrid have played this game this bluntly that should put into perspective just what a foul move it was. And and as you said, Ricky Don Conte had him up on it, and good for him. Glad to see. But it's not even a serious move. I mean, I just don't understand why you do it. It's not serious. They're not going to be able right. to get him. They couldn't afford him. Why waste time? It just it's, oh, of course. Well, I mean, they're, try- I they're trying to. Oh, they're trying to set the bed for him to do a free transfer. Uh, you know, in two years, like get him out the next year, push for a move. I mean, the whole thing's a farce. So let's just say farcical wankers farce. at play. There, disrespectful. We move on. Um, probably having given it a little more time than we should have. Antonio Conte got tongues wagging when he stated that Jed Spence was a club signing. Antonio said Spence is an investment to the club. The club wanted to do it. I said, okay, this player is young, but he showed that he can be good. An important player for us. The club decided to buy him. Is there anything to be concerned about here, or is this all tish and piffle? (laughs) Tish and piffle. Uh, No alarm. No alarm whatsoever. No, I think as everyone said, I mean, everyone at the moment seems to be at the club getting what they want. And I think everyone is kind of, you know, understanding it accepts what everyone wants. So as soon as that, as long as that's ticking along in that way, I just can't see, I wouldn't read anything to it. I think we're all good. Um, Another player that it is going to be intriguing to, to see with regards to loaning out or whether he is, you know, the young star that hangs in is Papa Matasar who was awarded the Confederation of African Football Young Player of the Year Award, which is, you know, it's a big deal. It's the African equivalent of the Golden Boy Award, which, of, of course, Brian Hill was cruelly denied last year. So, you know, it's excellent news for, for him. Congratulations, Papi. And, uh, I, and I think that it's going to be interesting to see if he, you know, if he makes the cut for the squad or gets loaned. I think he's got a chance of the double there. I think he's on the Golden Boy list for this year. Really? Yeah. 
I think so. Wow. I think I heard that. Interesting. Reason alone for Antonio to keep him in the squad. <laughs> I, I jest. Don't worry. Jest, yeah. I jest. So a bit of injury news. Ben Davies's ankle injury that he picked up last week against Sevilla looks set to keep him out for the rest of our pre-season and see him possibly miss our Premier League opener against Southampton. And Oliver Skip didn't travel to Glasgow after picking up a minor foot injury in training on Friday. He may be a doubt for a game against Roma next weekend, but it's expected to be back for the start of the season. Perhaps you two can clear up. Was Eric Dyer all right yesterday? Because I saw him yes. kind of come off. He's okay, okay. Yeah. He declared in the post-match interview he's 100% oh, okay. fine. Yeah, yeah. Steph, some bitter old cunt rattles on. That's what it says in my notes. I don't know if it describes me or Rhino Gattuso, who has been in the news whining and pining over not getting the Spurs job in his first major interview for many months. So he was whinging to Sky Sports Italia. And I think it's just, as I said, right? Nothing more to be said, really. He's just rattling on, isn't he? Yeah. Yep. He knows what he is. The Athletic are reporting that Spurs Academy and England Under-16 Internationals, Sam Amo Amayor and Jaden McComa are joining Southampton. We will reportedly be getting £1 million in compensation for the players who are too young to command a transfer fee as players can't sign a pro contract until they're 17. They've turned down interest from Manchester United, Man City and Arsenal. I think that's kind of the two combined rather than kind of both of them being of interest to all of those clubs. Though I think Man United were in for both of them and McComa was meant to be very close to joining United. I think with Southampton, there's talk of them going, they're going to get straight into the under-18s team. I think Sam played... 10 appearances with the under-18s last season, only being, despite only being 15. There was an interesting quote from Lily White Rose on Twitter, where it, so he covers a lot of the academy um, games and youth football, and he was talking about kind of other clubs playing a lot more for academy and, and scholars than, than we are. And so this is a quote from him, that Newcastle are about to pick up a 16-year-old from Southampton and put him on 6.5k a week. So if you sign a three-year contract on that money, you've guaranteed yourself a million pounds. So at 16, you've got no guarantees that you do not get injured or that you won't make it long-term as a professional. If that's the kind of environment we're you know, competing in, I think what we're paying our, our youngsters is a lot less than that. And that's why we've seen you know, several leave recently. But I do wonder whether we're going to have to have a rethink about how we, um, how we do the academy and whether that's something that might fall within the scope of what uh, Paratici's been looking at. Yeah, fascinating. I mean, there's so many angles to, to what you've just said. I mean, not the least of which I saw Ricky and I were both sort of humming and hawing about the thought of a 16 year old on six grand a week. I mean, it's six and a half grand a week. Sorry, the extra 500 quid. <laughs> I mean, it's it, there's there's questions to be asked and, uh, all round. Uh, I mean, I know what I think. It's not new in the in the past. We've seen kind of big clubs hoovering up young players and then giving their parents jobs in order yes. to try and yeah. Um, yep. you know, yeah. sweeten the deal or you know, convince them to join and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it's not a new thing. We probably can't carry on. I mean, both of these are very highly rated young players, um, and we can't afford to carry on losing you know, young players from the academy. And this doesn't appear to be related to playing opportunities or anything like this. It's just down to you know how much money they can get now. Unbelievable. And again, whilst I'm sure we'd love to have this conversation now, we'll have to, to, you know, push this can down the road for another more opportune time. But lots of questions to ask uh, for sure. Yes, here we are, folks. Finally, the second trailer for the upcoming Amazon show All or Nothing featuring the 2021-22 season quest of Arsenal Football Club for Champions League football dropped. Will those plucky young gooners achieve success in that season? And more importantly, will they qualify for the 2022-23 Champions League? Uh, We at The Game is About Glory have decided it is in our editorial interest to offer a genuine critique of the show as often as possible. Uh, Not for more than a few minutes, of course, but it is important and neighbourly to give the project the respect it it deserves. 
No spoilers, Steph. No spoilers. <laughs> no, that's, uh, no, no spoilers indeed. We will, we will, we will live it with every gooner. <laughs> that's for sure. But we thought I don't, I don't know if you chaps have watched the have watched the second trailer. I haven't seen you this excited, Steph, since Spurs put out some tatty merchandise <laughs> last week. Yeah. <laughs> And since I modelled it and sent you all the photo, which absolutely nobody commented on, I may point out. But there we go. I wore the away shirt for everyone, and they just they just looked at it. You can tell it just ended up in a spam folder somewhere for all of them. <laughs> but uh, I even modelled it for them. Ah, there you go. Anyway, so back but back to this trailer. I just want to tell you, there's this brilliant quote where uh, where Mikel Arteta and I shall refer to his name as Mikel Arteta as as much as possible, and no other nicknames. He says at one point that you know he demands respect, commitment, and passion. And the next frame is they show you a laundry bin in the dressing room i presume he's trying to show anger but it's like he gently nudges it about two inches across the room it's 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 hilarious you know and then he says something like he said when i when when i lose that and then he says something i can't understand and shouts i'm upset and likes a a little performative air kick Uh, it just it promises to be brilliant brilliant television brilliant viewing and as i say yeah. I do hope someone does a Lego reconstruction of the whole series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if anyone does, please, please. They send did us miss a trick not having everything as awesome as the theme tune to it, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so anyway, for those of you listening, uh, uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful subscribers, please know that we will live their journey week by week. Will they make it? Will Arsenal make the Champions League? 2021-22. We will see. Transfer rumours, chaps? Well, then. Let's do it. All right. Jeffet Tanganga's name has come up frequently over the last few weeks. Um, you know, AC Milan as a loan deal has come up uh, often. But according to our old friend Gianluca De Marzio, Fabio Paratici is in Italy trying to finalise that deal with an option to buy. And Demazio also claims that we have discussed possible moves for Tangion Dombele and Sergio Reggion with the Rossoneri too. Apparently Sky Italia is saying there's a fourth player being discussed with Milan interested in taking Papi Matassar on loan. Tangai and Joe Roden have also been linked with moves to Roma, but not from particularly credible sources. Let's move to Sergio Reggion, who has been linked with a move to Barcelona. Should their move for Marcos Alonso fail? Mundo Deportivo say that Kia Jochebian, remember him boys, he's working hard to try to complete the deal. And then we've got Jerry, Jerry Gacub, or even Gary Jacob, who got the scoop and is signing Basuma. He's reported that Fiorentina have offered to sign Giovanni Lo Celso on loan with a view to a permanent deal of 15 million quid after we rejected an initial offer of a loan only. Meanwhile, the Spanish press have reported that Villarreal are interested in signing Gio after a successful loan there in the second half of last season. So, chaps, are we at the stage of the window where we need to move some players on before we bring anyone else in? And are these the players that we should be looking to shift? Yes and yes. Yeah, I think that looks like the players. I don't know if anyone else should be added to that list. I can't think. Um, But... Uh, it is the stage of the window, but we're not. We're maybe a bit handcuffed by some of the financial gymnastics some of these teams are having to do in these foreign leagues to try and make things mm. balance out. Because fifteen thousand million for Lo Celso doesn't seem that great as a permanent deal obligation or option to buy. How much we can carry these players on our own wage bill if we don't shift them? I'm not quite sure. I mean, it really does seem like some of these are players that Conte's got no interest in at all. So we need to 
we need to shift them really because it's money for nothing otherwise but um and Villarreal I think I'm surprised they're just I mean the same when Foyf was there I'm surprised that the Celso thing they're just not keener on that and getting it sewn up but uh I think I'm right in saying I think they're only in the conference league next year so mm. although they've had a good year with um Champions League money this year uh, maybe they're not as financially rich as we think they are but um I mean that's the problem with players from our country they're 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 quite big fees for foreign teams and especially yeah. if they're carrying big wages as well because you know if you've signed a decent contract for a premier league club you don't really want to give that up too much if um you're not getting matched in a Serie A or yeah. La Liga or Liga. I mean the latest on Jaffa is that we're also looking to have a buyback clause on that as well so um we'd have an option to bring him back if he's a success in Italy. On La Celso, the rumours were that we were looking for a minimum of 20 million euros, I think is what the Italian and Spanish press were reporting on. There's not too big a gap to be bridged there. Mm. Uh, Gary Jacob is seems to have you know quite a good yeah, sources within the club. Mm. It's probably worth paying attention to him. Yeah, I think all of these players are players that we should be looking to move on. They're clearly not um, fancied by the manager. The one that has gone quiet is Harry Winks. I was just about to mention that. Yeah, heavy yeah. links to Everton. I know, I know that there was talk about Leicester as well but it's gone very quiet these players didn't travel to Glasgow hmm. so it's, it's pretty clear that they're not in the plans hmm. I don't know I don't know who they're training with at the moment whether they've been training with the kids or anything you have to feel that Harry Winks is going to get a move I mean this is a player who still has plenty to give and hmm. you know uh, quite uh, contrary to and we've been over this before but I'll just say quite contrary to the opinions of some of our supporters who feel he had one great game against Real Madrid he didn't he had many good games for us and was a very effective player uh, especially under Maurizio Pochettino so you have to feel that something's going on there I think the only question mark uh, over the, the players that we did just mention going out we're back to the, we're back to Matasar again for the third time in this pod just not sure are we because I mean you know there's just don't know enough as to whether he can hang in and make it. I mean I suppose we'll address this a little more from what we saw in the Rangers game yeah he had a tough season last year didn't he, he had a relic campaign with Met, so yeah he's a kid yeah. but he's a, he's got this award so let's see what happens there another th- uh, move that you know I've made light of this in previous uh, weeks but you know Nicolo Zaniolo's name gets louder and louder on the drumbeat I mean I wrote this off as agent waffle but you know it won't go away Paratici's meant to have had talks this week with Roma over a potential deal it feels somewhere in there like it's uh, him or James Madison move that's being uh, weighed up. Uh, what do you think, boys? Yeah, I think it probably is Paratici having kind of multiple plates spinning and um, you know playing off various different clubs against each other. Him and Madison can play in similar positions. I mean, I think um, Zaniolo predominantly plays on the you know as a right inside forward, but he could play as a, a num- potentially play as a number eight as well. Or as a number, you know, number ten, if we were playing in a system that required it. But in terms of playing style, they're very different. Zaniolo is a kind of a dribbly runner, and Madison is far more of a passer. And I think we've probably got as many dribbly runners as we need, and we don't have a, a passer or a creative player other than Decky. So uh, Madison makes a lot more sense to me in terms of kind of balance within the squad. I like Madison. I know, like last week, you said he had a very punchable face, which. I think he has, but um, he's not the highest in the list in the Prem for that. But I think as a player, I've always liked him. He's always, um, he's good value for a post-match interview on the old telly. He speaks quite well yeah. when he's doing that. I'm not quite sure what he'd be like if you just hang around with him in a bar. But um, 
Um, he's probably have a lot to say for himself. But uh, I think he's a good finisher for a midfielder as well. He's very confident yeah. in his striking of the ball. He's not, you know, he's not just a hit and hope merchant kind of thing. And he's put good numbers up for Leicester. And you, I suppose the other premium for his price is he's Prem ready. I mean, a reasonably good team at Leicester. He's, you know, he's playing yeah. quite good in, in a kind of... And Rodgers is kind of a systems guy. So he's kind of used to maybe that kind of way of training. Although I don't think, am I right? I don't think him and Rodgers always get on that well, do they? No. Is that right? So it's interesting. I was looking at the um, goal scoring charts of the Premier League last season and Madison got 12 goals in the Premier League. Mm. Um, I think Richarlison got 11. And then obviously, you know, we you know, Kane and Son were, um, you know, mm. Son top scorer in the Premier League. I think Harry Kane was, what, fourth highest scorer in the league. So you look at that then and we've got four players who are in double figures um, if we brought him in. And Decky mm. probably... Given a full would season, season, would yeah. be a double a double figure goal scorer as well. Yeah, that makes you a real threat, you know, real real uh, options there. I mean, you and Perisic, you probably back to get double figures as well over the course of a season. Yeah. So um, that could be make us really threatening. The other thing with Sunilo, just to say on him, is I mean, he's had the both the ACLs in you know yeah, each right. knee done once. Yeah. So, and I know it's a bit of a kind of stereo. I know it's a bit of a cliche but the old Serie A that people say it's a bit you know slower paced and that kind of thing although I don't think in recent years it's been that slower paced I watch the occasional Italian game and it's a lot more mm. faster paced than it used to be so that's a bit of a worry and he's done that when he's young as well so I just think Madison would be a bit more of a sure bet although I'm not sure what the numbers are for each player like value wise uh, Madison's numbers are very good value-wise. I mean, uh, Milo was just telling you that the goal scorer, I mean, his assist record was excellent last season as well. No, so it has to be said. It was 30 goal, 30 goal involvements he got. And a lot of, and a lot of that is from central midfield rather than in a forward position as well. So if we were playing him further forward, you'd expect a higher return on that. And the price difference is only about 10 million. Oh, that's what I was going to say. That's what I was referring to, really. I think they're saying uh, Zaniolo would be about 40, about yeah. 40 million, and, and Madison would be about 50, of course. Now, what I don't know is if one is in euros and the other is in pounds, which makes it yeah. a little different when you do the conversions. Well, not, not much at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> What's 10, 15 million between friends, eh? Exactly. It's not my money, yeah. it's Daniel's, but we're voting Zaniolo, no, no, Madison, yes, if we had a choice, are we? I think so, yeah. Yeah, just the thing I say on Zaniolo's um, ACL, so he was clear last season, but the season before and okay. the season before that, each of those two seasons, he, he had a lengthy layoff with um, yeah. uh, with ligament injuries. So yeah. if, you look at his, if you look at his stats, though, in terms of kind of goals, he's way below Madison in terms yeah. of pass completion or you know, just passing volume, far lower, assists mm-hmm. lower. You know, maybe you know he's a couple of years younger than Madison, so maybe he's got the potential to develop more. But if you're looking for impact next season, um, yeah. it seems yeah very clear which of the two you'd back to have a better season coming into us. If you know if they you know, they were yeah. to join, yeah. yeah. Alistair Gold has reported that Troy Parrott did not travel to Glasgow because he is set to sign a new contract with Spurs before being sent out on loan for the season. With Preston North End, Swansea, Middlesbrough, and QPR all keen to secure his services. Of all these, uh. Mooted clubs, chaps, where would you send Troy for future development or further development, I should say? Preston, ITK are saying that's where he's going. Really? Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously we have conversations with all the clubs and it depends what we want Parrot to do when he's at those clubs. And I don't just mean appearances wise, because I think he had a f- kind of shifted around in position a little bit at MK Dons last year. Yeah, he played wide and, mm. uh, and up top. So whether we want a bit more focus on him being a nine or something like that, I mean, it might not be. We might want him to develop into a complainy, you know, play multiple roles. But um, 
Uh, but I think I did read as well. I think at MK, he, I think he's living with his mum and his maybe his sister there and that kind that's of right. thing. And I think that's really kind of helped him having a bit of a home life and just keeping in level. I mean, it seems that way. It looks like he really has sort of turned a corner and knuckled down and um, really taking the game seriously now. I think there's a couple of other Irish lads at uh, Preston, so it might not be oh, okay. that such a bad move. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Good because I do think that this a, ne- another, a year a good loan year for him and I think he comes back next okay. season ready to push for a squad place because he's he's mm. close but he does need that extra year and and then Harvey White is another player um, who is most certainly going to benefit from a loan uh, freelance journalist Pete O'Rourke has said that Swansea City are amongst a number of Championship clubs interested in t- interested in taking Harvey on loan this season I think we'd all agree. Um, this is this would be an excellent move. I think Swansea would be a great move for him if they can yeah, get it going. There's right? talk of there's talk of Luton and I think Hull. I can't remember the other one. There's one other club being mentioned, but yeah, Luton would be another great place for him as well. Either, but uh, he's a player that I, I'm really really excited to see as well develop because he really does look like he's got all the tools to become you know a future Spurs. Well, I won't quite say legend. Shall we just say squad member to start with? <laughs> Keep the, the hyperbolic stuff down. Yeah, I mean, I'd have him in that kind of. Harry Winks mould, I suppose, a player who could be a useful squad member for a few years, play an important role, but probably, you know, move on after that as the next kid comes off the conveyor belt. Yeah. But but there's there's a place for that. That's useful. Yeah. And he's the best for, he's the best set piece taker at the club. Yeah. That was in the uh, in the in the in the B V era, right? Before VO, right? We're talking. Oh, it's all changed. It's all changed now, Steph. Yeah. <laughs> Surely. Our match against Rangers, which took place at Ibrox. I was uh Surprised at how many of our players had not played at Ibrox before. You had, you had Eric Dyer and Harry Kane both uh, waxing lyrical post-match about how they'd never been, how delighted they were, and and the atmosphere and so on and so forth. And uh, by the way, uh, it's the first time I actually saw Spurs play not pick up on something. Um, they talked about the ground and how great it is, but uh, anyone out there must know that the link between Ibrox and the old White Hart Lane is Archibald Leach, mm. who designed you know uh, both grounds. So anyway, that being said, we played the Walter Tull Memorial Cup against Rangers first trophy of the season in the bag with a 2-1 win chaps how did we play and what did we learn this is the first game I've watched for pre-season to be honest I've um I've been quite I've been more detached from the start of this season or the pre-season the close season than um for many years but I think the main reason for that is um I think Mrs Ricky I think she doesn't know a lot about football but she knows when the season's ended <laughs> I've been a bit under the cosh. Um, no, but um, what did we learn? I think the starting lineup was probably. <laughs> I think the starting lineup was probably um, could well be what we might expect for the Southampton game. I think, especially with um, Gentle Ben being cropped, and and when you think about it, for good reason, really. I mean, if it's a continuation of where we left off at the back end of last season, then these players are the players that have been with Conte. These are the ones that have been following his guidance for the months. Uh, including now preseason as well, and I think they're the ones that are up to speed. And um, and that's even with Sanchez at left centre back. I thought he had an all right game at left centre back against Rangers. I was I think that's always a worry, but he dispelled that against Rangers. And they were reasonable test Rangers, Europa League finalists. So you know there weren't going to be no pushover, and they're at home, obviously. Milo, would you just rattle through that lineup just so as we can establish for everyone who might have forgotten what that lineup was and what our yeah, of course. Was. So we started the game with Luis in goal, Romero, Dyron, Sanchez, right to left in um, in defence. Emerson Royal, Hoybier, Benton Kerr and Cessnion in midfield, and then um Decky, Kane and Sun up top. Everyone was replaced. So we ended the game with Forster in goal, 
Jaffet, Rodon and Lengley in defence. Jed Spence, Papa Matissar, Basuma and Perisic across midfield. Hill, Richarlison and Mora up top. But Mora came on and played right wing back to start with before when Kane came off. Um, he Spence replaced Kane. Spence went to right wing back and Mora moved up to uh, left inside forward. And that first half, looking at that first half, which as Ricky said, quite fairly, I think is, is, is you know, probably our starting eleven against Southampton um, as it sits. Um, maybe a couple of places up for grabs. I don't know. Uh, what did you think? I, you know, I thought it was a decent workout again. Rangers are a kind of week ahead of us in terms of preparation. Their season starts uh, next weekend. I thought we played pretty well. And, you know, in terms of that first half, so the first 15 minutes, we were very dominant. Rangers had a good 15-minute spell after that. And then I think we finished the half as the more dominant side. I mean, obviously, the highlight was, you know, both Kane goals. I thought Kane was absolutely superb um the first goal particularly so difficult to play against when he just finds that inch to get the shot off and the defender must have been thinking what on earth did i do wrong there because he was tight to him wasn't he He was i mean the other positive from that was you know son son was superb as well set up both Kane goals and they both looked to have started pre-season where they finished last season and if they can take that into the league form then we're going to really hit the ground running we're at that point where we must discuss Harry Kane um, I, I, I feel that he's been playing his pre-season perfectly he's not been you know he's not been overexerting himself in terms of pressing every single thing and whatever he's just putting the right amount of minutes in his legs but my god he looks so sharp and he does look fitter than ever he looks right? fit yeah oh my god he looks I was about to say that oh he looks so fit doesn't he I, I think I'd commented at the beginning of last season how I thought he and during the yeah. Euros last summer, how I thought he looked a little chubby. Mm. I mean, as chubby as a professional fo- uh, footballer can. I'd, I'd love to be as fat as that. But um, yeah, I thought he was carrying a little bit too much weight around around his middle. At the moment, he looks lean and he looks muscular. I mean, we, we talked about this off pod. I think when you think about his motivations and him wanting us to yeah. be ambitious and that, I think psychologically when it comes to training and fitness, if you are all in on the what's going on, you are then... You're not necessarily doing the extra yards, but you're just really like your head's in the right space. And that can reflect through into your physique, I think, sometimes. I think you just you just stand with confidence, your posture's good and all that kind of thing. And he really is. I mean, we know it's good to see that it looks like he's, I mean, it was, he's lost none of his goal scoring touch. And hopefully, I mean, he used to have that kind of ridiculous August business before, didn't he? When people said he was, you know, not good in August. But um, yeah, he looks like he's sharp and he looks like he's ready to fire. And I think even Kulu looked the same as well. That front three are all Kulu. I just, I really love him. There's so much of a player, but he's, he's, he's a real outlier as a 21 year old, the way he plays football. Mm. Or 22, maybe he's 22. I think it was really pertinent about what you said there about Kulu. And by the way, I thought his first half performance yesterday was really exciting. But Rangers did a great job of showing us, I think, what a lot of teams are going to do this season with Harry, which is they are going to press him hard and not allow him, even in deeper positions, to turn and find that ball over the shoulder. And it's where players like Decky are so important because you do have another outlet, another way of progressing the ball beyond Harry dropping and passing and so on. And 
and and, and I think the options that we have right now are, are, are very exciting, and it makes it almost impossible to execute that for for, mm. for forty five minutes, let alone ninety. I thought Kane still did a great, an excellent job of getting away from players. I mean, they were trying to close him down. You know, he can turn both ways. I, I watched a highlights yes. video of him today where it, where it had all, it's all of his contributions from the game, yeah. and it was really noticeable how many times they were trying to close him down. Yeah. And he'd dummy one way, go the other, turn yeah. round, and then and and get a pass off. Well, I mean, you know, we've all said this a thousand times. He's the best centre forward in the Premier League. And everyone's going to get very excited about Haaland this season. Mm. But Kane has got all of Haaland's goal-scoring ability with all of De Berna's creativity. He's both of them together. And some clubs are successful or do well when they have just one forward. And to have like Son and Kula, we're just so lucky with Kula, how he's just dropped into that role and... Uh, he's, he's almost like irreplaceable. He's so his, his contribution is so effective. I thought the other. I thought yesterday it looked like he was. He does telegraph the cutting in onto his left foot thing a bit. But I'm kind of. I'm not too worried about that. I think. Um, I don't think you show all your best dance moves off in pre-season, to be honest. And I think he's quite capable of going on the outside as well and striking with his right foot. And he didn't feature much in South Korea, so he's a little bit behind in yeah. terms of match sharpness mm. compared to the other players. And, you know, and then you add Richarlison into that mix as well, who's who, who's looking you know, more and more at home and used to the system with every game. And then if we did bring in Madison as well no. or another forward. <laughs> of you know of comparable quality then that's looking like you know a real embarrassment of riches I mean, right. Steph we were talking about this on Friday night weren't we when you think that you know potentially you're in a position then where you start the game with Sun Kane and uh, Decky and on 70 minutes you need something yeah. different and you could bring on Mora Richarlison and Madison and say they you've got five subs next season so you've only used up kind of one sub if you brought all three on at the same time yeah. and you go right there's 20 minutes run and ragged and by the way even if we don't bring James Madison in uh Ivan Perisic showed in his first 20 minutes yep. of the season I think more than enough and actually had yep. that uh really really when you looked at it on the replay excellent angled volley from a really tight position that only just cleared the bar it was very close to going in and it's another option isn't it because you've got a player there mm. who plays two or three different positions and can play up top yep. you know five five positions yeah yeah, but I mean, you know, so, I mean, yes, I mean, what, one of the, the great things we did see yesterday was this strength in depth. I wanted to ask you each, um, you know, it's it's probably going to be a weekly question. <laughs> I know Milo probably hopes it isn't, so he'd have to edit it out every week. But, you know, Emerson Royale, who, you know, divides opinion, so on and so forth, yesterday increasingly seems to be understanding how to play that role, where to be, but critically twice made the wrong decision when he was in on goal, looking to be unselfish when you want the player in that position six, seven yards out to be taking the shot. Uh, do, do you, do you, are you feeling any more confident about his ability to learn to take that final step and to take that shot on? Yeah, the, the role isn't about that final in the box so much. It's about being able to take players on and, and get past them. Mm. And, you know, it's not in his locker. I thought he had an okay game. Um, defensively, he's very strong. I think he's a really likable player, but he he remains a bad fit for the system. I mean, I, I do I do generally agree with Milo there. I think sometimes you don't have to be the man, but I think even when he's looking to get a cross in, sometimes he, he's not got a great flow about himself, has he? Sometimes he looks just a bit kind of awkwardness when he's when he's even if he just needed to stop it and then swing a cross in and that kind of thing. What I would say is, I think you know if he can beat a man, he can lay off the ball to. To Decky, he doesn't need to put the cross in. There's other options there. Yeah. It's about it's about creating space. But I do think it's interesting that he's starting games at the moment. Right. So I think 
you know, if we're looking at our right back options of on the basis of yesterday's game, the one I'd be most worried about would be Doherty because Royal started the game, which you'd say probably puts him in pole position for Southampton. When Royal came off, he put Mora there. And then when when he switched Mora top top, it was Spence who came in. So in the previous game, when we played Mora right wing back, I think that's because Perisic was still injured and he wanted to give each wing back 45 minutes. So Doherty was going to play at left wing back. And you know they're, they're, that was part of the reasoning there. But on the evidence of yesterday, it, it, it feels like... Doherty's quite a long way down the pecking order currently. Where where are we at with, because I haven't played that much, where are we at with Doherty's injury? Because he was coming off an injury at the back of last season. So did that... He's fit. He was, he was back in pre-season early. He play, he's played plenty of games. He's played. Mm. He has played, yeah. I think with uh, two things there, I'll answer the, the, the last bit the last bit first with regards to uh, Mora coming on. Um, I, I think that substitution to me was purely about Antonio wanting to see wanting to see how useful it was to be able to bring on a player that can then switch another position having come on as a substitute so more is on playing for 15 20 minutes there if I need to make another tweak then I can push him back up let's see how it goes let's see how quickly he can transition or not and how quickly I can you know move the pieces around if I need to in a situation so it felt like a little bit of a practice run although I, I do agree it doesn't augur well for Doherty I have to go back to, to Royale and, and, I, and I will disagree with both of you on this I do think it is important to beat a man but for me it's more important to create the opportunity to get the ball in or to take the shot and I think that Royale is getting into those positions whether that be uh, you know because he's playing one twos or, or you know getting sprung by someone and, and getting around the back supposed to carrying it past them I, I mean to me that's somewhat irrelevant if he's if he's successful in getting into that final third that's what I'm interested in I just don't know if his decision making is ever going to be sharp enough I, I think it could be it could become because he did put over a couple of really good crosses as well yesterday but in terms of how Conte plays Conte wants his wing backs to beat a man and get get forward and provide that width and and Royale struggles with that. He's a player I like. I mean, you know, I'd like to have him in the squad, but, you know, it's just, in terms of that system, it is a problem accommodating him. I think we just basically disagree on this player. I mean, I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. I think, no, I think basically, I think basically what's in the back of Milo's head is we, he just thinks that we can get a better player in that position, don't you, basically? You're thinking there's a lot of room for someone to be better than Royale playing that role. And that's probably, you know. And I think that's a very fair point. But I mean, I would argue on the other side, Ryan Sessignon doesn't exactly roast players uh, game after game either. You know, he's another player who gets in behind and gets sprung behind in the same way so so that's somewhat I mean right now you wouldn't say that there's a particular inconsistency with the way either wing back is getting in around the back to be honest I say I mean to go back to kind of you know what you talk about you know the phrase you use a lot Steph about kind of square pegs around holes and you know I think I think Conte did an excellent job in um, finding ways to utilize both Royale and Doherty last season in, in roles that you know aren't a natural fit for him in his system um, but you know ideally I think we move to a situation where we have players who are a natural fit for that. So if you know, if the question is, could, could we make Royal work? Could we make Doherty work? Yeah, I'm sure we could. And but you know, ideally, we don't have to do those compromises. We have players who can who can do exactly what he wants. I don't think we can convert either of them into that. I don't think they can do that. 
Okay, so that's what I'm getting. So the answer to the question is, regardless of anything that we saw yesterday, you still don't feel he is fully teachable as a right wing back. He's always going to be a fullback occupying a role as a right wing back as best he can. Yeah, maybe the stuff in the final third you're talking about, maybe that could be taught, although I think he's always going to be awkward and a bit ungainly. The taking on and beating a man, I don't think is coachable. I think you've either got it or you haven't. I don't think at this stage he's going to develop that. I mean, I think I said last time I was on, um, I mean, there's the two attacking parts to the wing back, isn't there? Like you, you're on the end of the other wing back's ball or yeah. you're delivering the ball you seven. I think he can be all right at, no, if Perisic yeah. on the other side, I think he's got quite good timing in that sense or quite yeah. good threat in the box. So, um, But I think he's getting better at the role. But I just think his skill set and then eventually his ceiling to play that role is slightly limited. I'm, and, I, I, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. I'm just saying that in a kind of, if you're going to be beating Liverpool and Man City to the league, then that might be an issue. And, yeah, you know, it's kind of perfection all over the pitch, but... It's, just, it's, it's you know. interesting because I would I would argue that there's probably less than a handful of wingbacks in world football right now who can play the role in the way that both of you are describing, you know, in, exactly. a, in a circumferential 360 way, who can, mm. you know, be positionally smart, get into those positions off the back of the other wingbacks ball and run and beat a man at the same time. They're very, very few. So then you're looking at the ones who can get part of it right. That's what I'm. That's uh, of interest to me. And I think maybe that's why he's having a look at Mora there because Mora in the you know, the final third isn't great, but what he can do is beat and beat and take on a man. That's a very interesting point. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Mora because, and this is something else we discussed last week um, that I think uh, you feel is a little less important than I because of Romero's presence. But I still feel is fairly important is that Mora's um, Mora does lose the ball. <laughs> when he loses it, he tends to lose it in dangerous places. And I felt yesterday a couple of times he got caught. Mm. He got just got caught out. He just didn't. He wasn't. I mean, and fair enough. He's learning the role. I'm not going to coat the guy. I mean, he's learning a role that until three weeks ago I don't think <laughs> had been suggested to him. So fair play to him. But it's it's going to be as hard to teach him how to play the role in another sense as it is Royale in another sense. Put them both together. <laughs> well, no, I think if you could if you could blend them together, it'd be perfect. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, you could, if you could do that, that you'd have everything you needed. Yeah. Um, I mean, funny enough, with Mora, I was kind of thinking back to you know when we were being linked to Troy at Christmas, and yeah. I think last summer when we were being linked to with Troy as a as a forward, we were all saying, well, we don't need him. We've got Mora who yeah. who runs at people and then runs into dead ends. And so it's funny that we've kind of ended up in a situation where we're now thinking about potentially Mora's. Uh, yeah, fulfilling the role that Troy was uh, looked at for, for in, in January. By the way, his name got floated again in some rag somewhere a couple it, of times. ago. It has been a couple of times yeah. this summer because, but you know, because obviously he's back at Wolves. He's only got a year left on his contract now, yeah. I think, as well. So um, he could be cheap. He could be a cheap option. Oh, dearie me. Okay, well, we'll move on. We'll move on. It's an interesting discussion, I think. That I think it's an interesting discussion. Sorry, one, one more, one more from Richard. Well, I was just going to say. Well, looking at his maybe his attributes, let's say, and and your suggestion that maybe Mora and um, Royale, you know, take the attributes from each of them to make the player. Well, let's hope Jed Spence is that player. An excellent point. And let's talk about Jed Spence there for a moment. A perfect segue. Within a minute of stepping on the pitch, he's read a defensive situation perfectly. I mean, he's read it it's as great, well as it? any defensive mm. player. It was an excellent step in. Absolutely zero risk of a penalty in that position as well, where there could have been maximum risk if he's not read that properly. Uh, to read that quickly, very promising. Do you like everything else you saw from him? Is it too early to judge? Too early to judge for me. I've not, I've not watched a lot of him really? at Forest either. So that defensive action was probably the standout piece he did on his time. You know, his 
what did he have? Mm. 20 minutes? Yeah. It's kind of stand out in part of his performance. It's always difficult, you know, particularly late in a game like that when you've got lots and lots of substitutions and it becomes a bit of a scratch side. Yes. And obviously he's yeah. new to this club. He's only been here since the beginning of the week. And I think all of the players had Monday and Tuesday off. So he's only really been training with the players since Wednesday. So not a huge amount of chance to kind of get to know each other. But I thought he put in a pretty decent performance. We didn't see much of him getting forwards or beating a man, which is... Um, you know, going back to the last conversation, that's what we're going to want to see from him. And if he's going to force his way into the team, he needs to be displaying. His stats for that last season were very good, but can he bring that to the Premier League and how long does it take him to settle down? But I thought you know, defensively, you'd have no concerns about him on, on, on the basis of that performance and Rangers are a decent decent test. Other debuts that we did see, we uh, Jed Spencer, obviously, we've just gone through. Very amusing seeing Fraser Forster's appearance wasn't it really I mean it was a nice warm little like bit of old school football there where the Rangers fans gave him absolute pelters for his Celtic history and and Forster reacted in a, in a brilliant way he just like was laughing about it and and kind of accepted it and it was all good old friendly banter I thought but uh, I don't know I don't know what it is about him I felt really comfortable looking at him. I mean, he didn't have much to do, but is it? Am I just size obsessed here because he's like an, he's the Shrek of goalkeepers? Am I just feeling more secure with those big hands and that meaty head? I don't know. What is it? What did you guys think? I think he's definitely going to be better than Galini. I think. I don't know really. I've never, I've never liked him massively as a goalie, but I've never hated him. I just think he goes a little bit shaky, nervous sometimes. For a big man with big hands. You mean he picks some, looks a bit like a crap shark from Viz? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, a bit like that, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <It's> good. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. I mean, in terms of like him turning up at Ibrox, I'm sure he's had more hostile receptions there than he did in a you know, kind of a, a lazy July, you know, kind of sunny Saturday afternoon. I'm sure he's had some, some pretty um, heavy times there with, uh, you know, full vitriol poured down on him. He used to live quite close to Ibrox, so I, I kind of know the um kind of how hostile that can be in terms of the game i thought he was fine he made the one good save of kind of you know from close range but straight at him i thought his distribution was a bit iffy um but all of that's kind of expected and yeah he's an upgrade and galini so that's fine then we had clement longley who um again it's very hard to judge uh anyone who's had what a week with the club and as you quite rightly said milo a couple of days training at best having had a couple of days off uh, he came in on the left hand side of that three um uh, i i thought he looked a little shaky but that's i think that's probably unfair on my part again you put into context everything that you were saying when you've got all those subs and you don't have regulars around you and so on and so forth but i don't know there's something about him that really more than ever impressed upon me that this is a signing made as protective coverage in case we do not get anyone else in this window. I thought he was all right, actually. I thought he looked. I thought he was fine. Um, I didn't get that at all. I thought we, you know, we saw some glimpses of um, you know, his distribution and long range passing that pretty good. He wasn't tested too much. I thought he looked fine. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether he can claim that spot. Yeah, if he is going to be playing left centre back, whether he can claim that spot off Davis. I mean, certainly going into the season, Davis is going to be first choice. Um, but that's good because that gives Langley you know, more time to settle into the club. And, you know, you, you see where we are, you know, a couple of months into the season and, and how he settles in. I thought he was okay. Okay. Yeah. He's Bissouma next. Uh, again, I thought, you know, uh, just settling in, you can see the glimpses of what he's going to bring. Um, I thought it was a very, very sort of feel my way into things performance and um, nothing spectacular, but you can clearly see that there are gears to step through. Yeah. I agree with that. I think the most interesting thing there was that 
it was clearly kind of Hoybier at the beginning of the second half. He was playing more advanced out of the two, and Pesuma was kind of mopping up behind him more. Uh, I thought he did okay, but it wasn't not a lot to to say on it. Really? Are you not going to comment on the fact that as he stood on the sidelines, he had his socks up over his knees, like the way I mean, wearing them like that—that that, that was a, that was a. I've got a bit. Sorry, fashion alert here. Do you do you approve of that, Steph? Or I, I've got to say, I don't. Fashion alert. I'm sorry. Socks should not come over knees. No, I'm sorry. Not in the modern. Rick, Ricky's going to be socks down around the ankles, no shin pads, isn't he? Yeah, That's... yeah, yeah. When he was coming on to be a sub, do you mean? Yeah, he no, like... he left them up. They were up over the knees, half like cr- creeping. John up Terry his style, side. basically. You mean John Terry style? Well, I thought of St. Trinian schoolgirl style. I was sort of a rather. I, must... I was sort of like roll your I was socks a bit down, more... <laughs> I was a bit more concerned. I did have to slightly double take uh, with Joe Roden's hair when he was coming on. Oh did my you... god! And he had. <laughs> okay, and he I had... thought I actually didn't know it was him to start with. I just, I'm not quite sure what he's done to it. And he had burn sides. They call them sideburns, <laughs> but they're burn sides. It all just looked a whole load thicker all the way round. And he, I don't know if he was trying to do a bit of a, I don't know if he's going to join the Brian Gill, Brian Hill gang or um what. But um I think before last year, it was all a bit more kind of like. His hair, and God, we've gone completely off script. Milo's looking, it's like we've gone mental. But he has hair, for anyone who can't visualise this, looked a little bit like our very own James. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Let's bring it back to common sense here, Ricky, for a second. Okay. Let's bring it back to Ezbisuma's socks, shall we? Okay. And just and, and and just and let's debate this for a moment. And let me bring Milo in for a hard opinion on this: socks over the knees or not? Did Eves commit a uh, somewhat of um, you know, a football faux pas there? No, more power to him. There we go. Just the contrarian lives. <laughs> Yeah. He loves it, doesn't he? He lives through a bit of country. I know we haven't finished rattling through our debutants yet, but um, <laughs> I, th- I thought um, <laughs> uh, I thought Rodon had a pretty pretty good run out. I was impressed with him. I thought he had a good game. I, I liked yeah. it, and uh, I'd like to see um, him get some minutes against Roma because if we don't bring in a, another centre back, then he's going to be needed. And I agree. As Dyer's understudy, he looked pretty good. One thing. At, I did notice as well was that he was very vocal. He was talking to the other players. He was telling them where to go yeah. and what he wanted. And um, He's good at that. Yeah, yeah, I was impressed. I agree. I, I completely agree. I, I'd actually like us to make a committed decision on him and keep him for that precise for that reason. I'd like and I'd like us to chance it with him. I agree. I think he's got. I think he's more than ready. I agree. I was really impressed with him. I think of, of the subs. I would say him and um, Richarlison were the best two. Oh, and Perisic. I mean, I can't, I can't really figure. We said this before. Why he's never seemed to sort of take the fancy of various of our managers, really, because he's 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 done. He's never put a foot wrong most of the time when he's on when he's when he's played for us. But um, and he's at an age, especially because he plays a lot against the Wales, where he really need he can't. He might think I need to move to play more regular football because otherwise the years tick by. Well, particularly in a World Cup year. Yeah. And also maybe he might think I might move and um, get a better contract from another club, judging by what I read that he was being paid. I think it's very clear that actually the biggest misfortune he's had in his career is that, you know, we don't play a back four. I think he probably have had a lot more uh, opportunities if we played a back four. Yeah. Um, so that's probably not because the, that central position, right, uh, Eric Dyer has been, and we've talked about this before, he's been sort of the quote-unquote spiritual glue through some very rough times when we've been playing the three with various managers. So, uh, yeah, I, but I agree. I think for him, he's going to have to think of his career. For us, I hope we convince him that his career is with us this season because as you said Milo he did he just looked very assured and I like you know 
I know that we, we laugh about performative actions on the, uh, whether it be pointy, shouty people or managers and whatever, but I do like to see communication and I do like to see a central defender who's not afraid to talk. And you're absolutely right. He looks like he's unafraid to talk and, and be the man. It's good. I think it's about confidence about his role yes. in the team as well. Yes. You know, he's not anywhere near as young as we all think it, of him as. You know, mm. he's the, the, the years have creeped up with him not getting a lot of football. I mean, actually, maybe it's not so crazy that we're, we're squeezing and talking about Rodon in amongst the debutants because he actually he's played so few minutes to, for us and so few few minutes under Conte that he's not mm. far off being a debutant. That's yeah. sad to think about, actually. It really is. The final debutant who... Um, in fairness, we've already touched on briefly, but only um, in, out of context. Let's touch on him in context. Ivan Perisic, finally, his first few minutes for us in a Spurs shirt. What, about 20, 25 minutes? Um, I mean, the presence on the pitch alone was immense, I think. And he did have, as we've previously discussed um, here or earlier, we discussed this. He had that uh, snapshot, um, you know pushed right up on the edge of the six-yard box, a narrow-angle volley that flew over the bar and, you know, wasn't that far from being converted. We can all see the value in this player, right? I mean, within two minutes, he's just barking orders and telling people what to do. And, I mean, he's just just a presence, isn't he? He he had a lovely cross in the final minute of the game as well, which, um, you know, boded well for what's to come. Um, You know, he's very, very, very vocal. He's just got a natural authority about him, hasn't he? And yeah. like, as soon as he came on, everyone, I think some players, because of their reputation, because of their experience, because of what they've achieved, they get a bit more space and everyone else stands off them and they're a bit nervy about them. And he's got that. And yeah. I, I think, you know, everyone was a bit scared of him. And I do wonder whether, in terms of the squad, whether he's going to have a kind of David's kind of Nabet type mm. effect on the yeah. squad and have that experience and just mm. guide through. I think Sess has already talked about how he's been giving him advice and uh, yeah. and encouraging him. And I mean, hopefully he can take Spence under his wing as well and give him some pointers and, you know, help him kind of settle into the club and, and mature. Yeah, I think we've talked quite a lot in the past about maybe someone like that, you know, an experienced player like that is something that we've been lacking. I think the evidence from that game is he's got that already, you know, he's got that. I think that's a good point, um, Milo. I think, um, because I suppose our big hope would be that in an ideal world that Sess and Spence would turn into another kind of Rose and Walker. In other words, they would come and be fullbacks for ages. And you couldn't ask for a better person than Perisic to be like a guiding light to them and to to give them all the advice they ever need in training. And, of course, Cess might be kind of threatened slightly, think he's going to play as well. But I think with an older, experienced player sometimes, as you say, if you take them under a wind, you're kind of more accepting that we're both going to be sharing this quite a bit, this role, because mm. they're both going to get minutes. And I just don't think there wouldn't be any kind of... Because they're at different ends of their careers, I just think there's less likely there'd be any kind of like, you know, animosity mm. between them because of that. And usually you don't want that in the club anyway. But he's an experienced head and he'll hit and he'll hit the ground running even if Conte wasn't our manager. But because Conte is our manager, it's, it's almost guaranteed, I think. Well, I think, that first of all, I think that if you're a player in the same position as Ivan Perisic at the club and you're that much younger and you are in any way intimidated by that, I think that would say something negative about your character. And for me, that would be an absolute mm. challenge and a pleasure to, to, to raise one's game to the level of this wonderful teacher you've got. So I'm excited by mm. that tutelage. But I'm also excited uh, at the tutelage he's going to offer our forwards. Now, look, I don't see personally as a fan how Kane and Son and even Richarlison um, can improve. Um, and Kulisevsky, but 
I think that Perisic's positional play everywhere is so cute and so smart. I think they're going to be learning from him. Again, I go back to that snapshot. I, I didn't even know he was there. And suddenly he's like an inch away from opening his account. You know, he's good. They're going to learn from him. You're not going to have players sleeping, you know, rather than running in at the back post. There's going Correct. to be a queue at that back post, isn't there? It's yeah. just everyone's going to want to get there because there's yeah. 10 goals a season to be had at that post Absolutely. off the back of his crosses. Absolutely. I, I think the other player actually we missed out who could benefit from this. If we're serious about converting Mora into a, into a wing back, yes. then Perisic being there yes. is the perfect um, well, mentor for, to help with that because he's been through it and he went through it late in his yeah. career correct very well yeah. very well observed i agree yes he would he would have been about the same age as more actually i think when maybe actually yeah. maybe a little bit older but you know not not dissimilar ages yeah no i i couldn't agree more i think it's the sort of signing that if i have any criticism of, of legends previous uh previously managing this club i would say that it was the inability to bring in an experienced player of this magnitude at this point in the club's development history, whatever. I mean, I think we're very lucky to be back at a point in our history right now where we really can push on and win big trophies again because it wasn't so long ago we were there at this moment and I felt we needed a player of Perisic's kind. I remember going on about Danny Alves at that point and was willing it to happen and, of course, it didn't. So, yes, I think that the benefits absolutely enormous uh, in bringing yeah. him in and we can see it yeah and in terms of kind of competition recess i suspect we'll be back to what we used to see under poch where we rotated yeah. the wing backs between games so i suspect that we'll have a midweek pairing and a weekend pairing and we'll see them switch and probably actually coming off on 70 minutes or where yeah, you know wherever it is in those that, games yeah. anyway because there's a lot of work to be done in in that role and you, you couldn't do it for mm-hmm. you know 90 minutes you know eight games a month you'd, you'd be dead yeah and and you know this is the point and obviously not a debutant um we've seen him several times already uh in in this pre-season but this is a point that Conti was making with Richarlison in terms of the, you know rotation with starters and so on there's no drop-off in quality you know and I I'm, I, I remain supremely excited about Richarlison because I just think his movement um his actions everything I mean by the way he again got kicked all over the place yesterday which was which you know that's that's a compliment Right. But I, yeah. I just think yeah, there's no drop off in quality now in, in most of our key positions. And, and this is this is truly, truly stirring stuff. It's very exciting. Mm. Yeah. Who stood out other than Harry Kane? Let's leave Harry Kane out of this particular question, because obviously he stood out. He's the best best player in, in, in you know, I thought Romero had an outstanding game. <laughs> and brilliant, wasn't he? I was watching the game. I mean, I think, again, it's something we discussed last season and at points last season, it felt maybe a little premature saying it. I think he's our best central uh, central defender of the Premier League era, full stop. He was superb yesterday. And, you know, to think, was he 23? It's scary how good he could get. The thing I love about him is, is I love his kind of laser-guided defensive interventions. <laughs> Do you know when he almost yeah. like locks in at someone? And I sometimes think, didn't you see him coming? Because sometimes it can be from like 10 yards away and he just launches straight towards them. And he's just like, whatever's happening here, I'm coming out with a ball or a yellow card or anything. And um, no, he is. He's a real... And it says another one. This is the really lucky thing I think we've got in the team. If we've got some genuine older experienced players, but some of our other players that look really experienced aren't very old at all if you think of Bentagor, Kulusevski, mm-hmm. Romero and that's really going to fill in a good gap of a few years if they hang around 
where, you know, it's going to be massive players for us. Very interesting thing I'm observing about the way he's playing as well. And I don't know how much of a factor this is going to play out to be in the season, but it seems that if teams are lining up in two lines of four and we've got 20 minutes to go, he's increasingly becoming the nominated come forward and, you know, be part of the, the you know, the, the, the sort of more attacking options. He's carrying that ball far and he's pressing way up the pitch. It seems he was more involved high up the pitch yesterday than I've seen him you know, consistently, I've seen him before. And I just wonder if, you know, if you're looking for that moment with 15, 20 minutes to go, if he is increasingly going to be the guy who gets the nod, you go, Pierre will drop in, you know, you be that, you be that auxiliary guy to come in and, and, and offer a little more uh, support. I mean, I think that's, that's part of the system. That's always the plan. Um, and I thought we saw it, you know, a fair bit last season. And I think hopefully as Lengley gets settled, we'll see more of that from him as well. One of the things he's good at is bringing the ball out of defence and, 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 you know, he's got a good range of passing. You know, obviously physically very, very different to Romero. Um, he's not going to stay up there and hack people from behind. Um, but, you know, I think I think if if he can refine his form and if he can get his confidence and settle into the team then you could have a really nice balance there with two players who are comfortable doing you yeah. know, doing that and taking the ball between up between Lingley and Romero you're saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah just yeah, to clarify yeah. that and, yeah, you're yeah, talking about and Davis did a fair bit of that last year don't you know, don't get me wrong and certainly kind of as a late arriver in the box he was he was really mm. uh, you know quite potent but um Lengley is a, a better passer than him and um you know, could be a could be a useful useful addition I mean particularly if Spence finds his feet kind of Langley pinging yeah. a long ball for Spence to run onto could yeah. be a real real option again I, th- I just thought Romero yesterday uh, but, uh, he was just, winning so much so high up the pitch as well did, really did you see the free really kick he gave away when yes. uh, the player so I, I re-watched it and I think the Rangers player had his foot on the ball and, and Romero took the ball out and then he ended up on the floor as the ball came out yeah. and then they got a free kick for it it was yeah. um yeah, I didn't think that. Yeah, I didn't think that was a foul. Yeah, because on the no. replay, no, it just all happened so quickly. So yeah. I think the ref, you know, he was just. <laughs> and and I think that's sometimes the thing with Romero, isn't it? There's yes. that kind of bustle about him. Yeah, you know, he, and he plays with such force, even when it's clean. Mm. Mm. So much force that you know everyone, anyone who's close to him falls over. Yeah, some of the um, just robbing the ball off players' feet in the box and stuff. It just oh, he's really he's, he, he really is very very good. He should have scored that header though. That was one of that looked like another one of our little mm. corner routines, wasn't it? Because we just touched mm. it on and then. I was going yeah. to bring that up. That was a that was a, that was a, actually a looked like. Um, well, first of all, a, a, what number I was had that? To laugh. <laughs> yeah, I had, exactly three thousand seven hundred. I had to laugh because a couple of those corner routines, you saw the player check in towards the corner flag and then kind of do a little shuffle and then peel off away, and you're like, <laughs> he was never going to get the ball. Nobody followed him. I, I, I just wonder what that move is about, but no doubt. You know, no doubt Vo could explain to me. I, I'm sure I'm missing something there. But that yeah. was a great set piece routine because Dyer flicked it on, and it was a and it was a clear. I, I think I think as you said, I think Romero was always surprised at the speed mm. at which that happened. Um, yes, I, I'm still waiting for the free kicks to fully come alive, if you will. But I I I, I hold hope. You know, I hold hope. But I must call no, I attention, do. if I may, to um to what could have been one of the best assists already of the season, which was Davison Sanchez's sublime back heel in the box. Cheeky back heel. Oh, lovely, wasn't it? That 
Yeah, very it was, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's It shows confidence, though. I think you know you advanced positions, and yes. I think he even he even tried a he nearly put a long a little kind of lofty long ball over the top to Hoiberg. I think when he was running from midfield. So, but I think some I think I was watching or listening to something else, and someone said, "Well, I think this was in the training session when they do these kind of like big eleven aside games, and they say that in training, like he's on the ball, he just looks like hundred percent all right." Yeah. As in yeah, comfortableness, it's it's just it's just in the game. Sometimes he's he's got the jitters, but I think you know confidence is more a big factor with some players than others. So maybe Massive. it's just that with him. Yeah. Well, I think we've probably uh, covered the Walter Toll Trophy victory over Rangers at Ibrox, a two-one victory to us, about as well as we possibly could for this week. Don't you think, chaps? I don't think that we've left any any so. stone unturned there. I think we've done it. I think, yeah. First big trophy of the year, Steph. First big trophy of the year. First big trophy of the year. I think we can bring year. that back to the old um, West West Stand lobby <laughs> and the pull it next to the Audi Cup so we can all yeah. admire that next yeah, year. Yeah, indeed. Um, so, well, thanks very much, lads. Uh, that was a lot of fun. That was good. Cheers, Steph. Cheers, Steph. Thank you. Uh, when we'll be back, we'll be back next week to discuss our final pre-season friendly of the summer against Roma and all of the latest Spurs gossip and rumours. So please subscribe, leave a review, leave another review if you've already left one. Tell your friends, tell everyone how good we are. Give us a follow on Twitter and have a good time all of the time. As always, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. (laughs) You put that in, didn't you, sir?